0: Obviously, not the best. My name is Matthew Kroll.
1: And how about a bowl of cereal? My name is Shahir Dowd. And
0: this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Gemini Man, Gemini Man, Won't yeah, Gemini Man, Will Smith in My Head, yeah. Oh, you don't like Rob Zombie? I'm more of a Taurus bro. Actually, it's white zombie. Technically, Devil Man was white zombie. Uh, you're a Taurus bro? Yeah, we yeah. talked about Taurus bros last yeah. time. Well, actually, I want to find out which kind of bro, dude, guy, fella, gentleman our guest is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have in the studio with us uh, my my good friend, uh, producer at MTV and comedian extraordinaire, Mr. Will Tempfer. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. Uh you've been you've been on the show a, a decent amount at this point. Well, there was the there was the Christmas special
2: and yep. then there was 10 Cloverfield Lane yep. which it's funny because I'm only doing Mary Elizabeth Winston. That's the movie. only yeah, time
0: yes. you will be invited back. Yes. But Please. But you and I have never consistent. been in the room together, right? Not no, for some one of these, no. But,
1: but I did t- Did I Skype in for Tim Cloverfield? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, okay. but you
0: weren't here. Right, okay. So you've actually never breathed the same we air while ever... talking about a film before. How did
1: you not know we were actually the same person? Oh, like, my you... God! Oh.
0: <laughs> it's all It's all coming together. Well, uh, geez. Will, thank you for being here and being Shahir's clone.
2: Oh, yeah. Hey, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> topical. <laughs>
0: topical, topical. Uh,
1: well, I because you and I have never met, uh, and and maybe you've done this on previous episodes, but I, I'm curious. You're y- you and I have like never quite crossed paths, but I've known you as the film guy, as a person who well, really loves movies. That's true. Um, yeah. What what like what are the kinds of movies you love? Like what are the things that kind of get you talking? Um,
2: man, that's hard because I really like to just see everything as much as I can. Okay, well, um,
1: what have you seen recently that really spoke to you? That
2: really spoke to me. Um, I keep a list. Oh wow, he does keep a list. Have it's funny. A, have you got a litter
0: <laughs> box to count? It, it's funny because Will, no, I you, uh, yeah. Will yeah. actually literally—he's not joking when, when everybody when he says this—he does see everything. Right. If I if I have to if I've been like late to a film for a little bit, uh, I can always ask Will uh if he, well I know he's seen it, but like what he initially thinks. He's already seen it before me. Yes, cuz like, I
2: like I like that in New York you can go, you know, like when they say a movie's released Friday, yeah. usually you got Thursday evening, yep. you know, that's yep. when you can start. And then I'm also on like five different email lists for screenings. Yep. Right. Some of those are just like promotional like a week or two early. Some of those are actual um Test screenings, right? Which yeah, I have to lie and say I don't work in the industry, anymore, <laughs> so that I can go see them.
0: It, was one of those actually uh, your your other claim to fame, which was sitting behind Shia LaBeouf for like five or six hours?
2: I did. I I went to the Shia LaBeouf all my movies, and oh I, wow,
1: were you on the live stream?
2: I was on the live stream, <laughs> so I got there at like <laughs> towards the end, like when when he was going from his newest films to his oldest films, and so I got there right around when um. Transformers 1 was showing. At 2 p.m., I got in line. And you're moving kind of fast at first, so you think this is going well. But then once you get inside and you—because it started outside—once you get inside and it was going closer, you realize that it's moving fast because people are bailing. Right. Because um, you kind of go in thinking that people go in, they see a movie, and they leave. No one kicks you out. You can stay as long as you want. (laughs) So— (laughs) <laughs> um, I got there at 2 p.m. At 10 p.m., I made it inside, eight hours later, for A guy to Recognizing Your Saints. This was 2005 yeah. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> um, and so since I got in at 10 p.m. and I got there halfway through the movie, I'm like, all right, I'm staying for another one, which the next one was, I believe, the greatest game ever played, Okay, the golf one. And then, um, I was like I'm it's middle of the night, it's almost two AM at this point. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna stay also for iRobot. Oh so they were playing in reverse corner. Reverse yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. okay. Yeah, so um did you make it to Battle Shaker Heights? I left during Battle Shaker Heights at yeah. around eight a.m. Okay, was, but he because,
0: was directly behind Shia LaBeouf, yeah. so, so he's on the you're on the stream all over the damn thing.
2: I yeah. So I I was able to get in the row right behind him, just in towards the end of the wall. But then after um a guy to recognize your your saints ended, a lot of people left, and I was able to just move to the aisle directly behind him and stayed there. Did you the tap next. him on the shoulder every time like he did something cool on screen? <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. good job, Shia. Oh, good, good, great great work. work. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people did, and he was really like, "Oh, thank you so much." Like it was like, "Oh, yeah. he's a very kind man." He, and then you know, a lot of times too, he would just get up and go to the back and fall asleep, and then so I was the one that oh, was on the in stream. We <laughs> were in the live stream, yeah. So well, it was it was around there where I'm like, "I gotta go." Like, so people were mistaking you for Shia LaBeouf for a little bit. They were like, Well, he looks whoa, a little different." Like, yeah, yeah. Like someone about? made a Twitter um, blue shirt fan, yeah. blue shirt guy fan. Really? Yeah, yeah, it had like 20 followers, and then it died. <laughs> like you know two hours after sure I sure left. sure. but yeah um he's, he seems great. to be
1: on this precipice of like i'm not actually sure if he's insane or the industry's insane and he's just like the normal guy in the crazy industry or not like i like sometimes some of the things he does like seems like the ordinary person reacting to the craziness of the of the actual industry is
2: in and then sometimes it's the opposite i i think yeah i think the media has been unfair to shia labeouf i feel like he's of Really genuine, cool guy. Just from like some of the recent interviews I saw. Yeah. Um, this all started with what was like one, a, a film that really moved me, The Peanut Butter Falcon. Right. I yeah. Loved. I absolutely loved that movie. We and missed then, that this year. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping to catch up on that. It's. Uh, oh, it was. It He's was got a that great and film. Honey Boy coming out Honey right. Yeah. 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 Honey Boy is going to be amazing.
0: I think we are obsessed with a, as a society with literally putting a, a person or a thing in the good category or the bad category. And Shia LaBeouf, I'm sure, falls somewhere in the middle. I mean, here's the deal. He's an eccentric. Actor. And in this day and age, if you are either of those things, you are going to be scrutinized to high hell. So, so like, I don't know. I, I never really dug like the Shia hate, even when he freaked out or like whatever. Like, he's grown up in a weird situation and he's made, I think, probably the best of it from the, to the most of my knowledge. So, like, I, I don't know. He's, he's somewhere in the middle, I imagine. Chaotic good. Chaotic good. He's chaotic right? good. Yeah. 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 If he was, if he was my bard in a D&D uh, 5e campaign he would be chaotic good.
1: Yeah. All right, so Peanut Butter Falcon uh, moved you anything else on the list that kind of really
2: uh um spoke to will? I put um uh The Art of Self Defense oh, up in my yeah, yeah. top of the year so far as well. I I went in that movie kind of thinking it existed in in this world Yeah. and then um realized it that gets it a bit crazy at the end, right? And it gets it gets crazy, yeah. but I I think it set up the rules of where it is so I didn't feel like I was watching a movie that was just so far removed from like they just don't get. it. I was like, oh, this is a different world. Yeah, and they've explained it pretty well. Yeah, and I get it and I like it. It was. I I like that director Riley Stearns a lot. Yeah. Um, I liked his last film Faults. Um, quite a lot. Which uh, oh, he was yes. married. He
1: Riley Stearns was married to Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I was
2: I caught that. It all that, comes back. Yeah. Oh, I caught that on on Voodoo or like a, a she month lived ago. Him for his-
1: Ooh. I think she left him for Ewan, Ewan McGregor. McGregor.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's yeah. got to burn, but
1: I mean Ewan and is a beautiful man. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd leave Chevalier for Ewan McGregor, to be honest with you. I'll I'll be sure to have her <laughs> listen
0: to this timestamp. Where are we yeah. at? Oh, okay. I'll just put yeah. texting. She, she would too, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, as like... long as you both have the mutual <laughs> pact. But what it turns out is actually uh you and McGregor gaslight both of you. Yeah. And it's a parent trap. Uh, yeah, just like looked... when you two showed up here at the studio today. Yeah. Uh, it would be it would be you and McGregor. Parent trapping you two back together (laughs) so that you realize just how much you love each other. Uh, We love each other a lot. Yeah, see? Ewan,
2: Ewan. What a nice guy. What a McGregor. nice guy. I know. See,
0: there's someone who falls in the good category. Mm. No. Does he? I well, know. I mean, prequels aside, it, although he was did... pretty good in the prequels. No, he left his wife. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> did he? Oh, well, yeah, maybe he's Mur- in the middle. Maybe I'm even <laughs> righter than I thought I was. His, his daughter, like,
2: trashed him on. So. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, Is he a yeah, scumbag
0: yeah. and I didn't know it? Uh, we don't uh, still still know. Middle
1: ground. The jury's still we, out. We don't know. I love it. All right. So, but this week we're going to be taking on Ang Lee's film, Jim and I, man. And the real, look, to be fair with you, to be completely Completely, 100% honest with you, I wasn't keen to see this movie until one... you
0: met Will Smith in person. Well, I, I mean, you, you know, he
1: is uh, seeing him in person is like 240 frames. Oh
0: my God, you know, that's so like, many extra frames, There's
1: so many frames to him in real life. Uh, no, but the real reason I wanted to do this film. Was because of the 120 frames per second. Now, I'm speaking to a very specific audience in the in the listening population, though, because this film only played in 14 theaters in 120 frames. Now, th- this film comes with three distinct acronyms, and they are 120 frames per second, yes, 4K, yep, and 3D. Mm-hmm. And and there is no there. Might, I think there's one theater in China that plays it in the whole shebang, which is all three of those things. Uh, everyone else, uh, if there's 14 theaters in the United States which play it in. 120 frames, 3D... 2K, which yes. is not the full shebang. Yep. Um, so I was really curious to do that because we, uh, if you can go back to our previous episode, one of our previous episodes, we did an episode with the post-production panel, uh, post-production team behind Billy Lynn's Long Half-Time Walk, which was Ang Lee's uh, previous film that was shot you, at 120
0: frames. Yeah, you were the host of that.
1: Right? I was the host of that at the uh, HBO Theater, I believe it was. And uh, it was a really fascinating discussion. We didn't actually get into a review of that film. Uh, and I don't think, you know, I think around the time a lot of people didn't want to talk about the film itself, but the technology.
0: Sure. Uh, did either of you see Billy Lynn's Long Time Half Walk?
1: Nope. I never
0: did. Never did. Um, I went and saw you talk about the post-production of it.
1: Yep. Uh, <laughs> I did see it. Uh, I'm the the film definitely has its fans. And I think it's a pretty bold statement to use this really unwieldy massive uh, throughput technology, digital technology that is like new-age, cutting-edge technology for what is ostensibly uh, a pretty low-key, minor, uh, uh, you know, drama about uh, a soldier suffering with PTSD. Now, I think the theory that Ang Lee kind of had around that, um, and this will get into our conversation around 120 frames per second, is that the look of 120 frames per second is so hyper-real that it might give you the sensation that someone suffering PTSD might have. Have of trying to figure out the world and seeing too much information. Um, that's maybe one of the theories as to why he chose 120 frames, or he thought that Billy Lynn's long halftime walk would make a good test vehicle Did for he him. say that, or was that a... That's one of the arguments that's going... I mean, you could probably look it up to, sure. to see that. That's okay. one of the arguments that's going around about why he chose to do that film in 120 frames per second. But all three of us in this room, uh, before we even get into the movie, did see this film in 120 frames per second. Um, and uh, again. 3D. And 3D and in 2K because we live in the United States and not Beijing. Um, Now... I again the the episode that we have with the Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk um, uh, uh, post production team is really fascinating. It, it's very technical about like the ramifications of trying to shoot this much data.
0: Yeah. Um, so nerds, go eat that up. Nom 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 nom, <laughs> nom 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 nom.
1: But I'm curious as to both of you guys. Uh, this was your first experience with 120 frames per second. The, uh, there's only a couple other films that have been shot in high frame rate, and that is obviously the Hobbit trilogy, uh, was which was 48, 48 frames per second. There was a um, there was a, uh, a documentary called Aquarelle, which came out recently, which was about, uh, you know, it's just a visual documentary that was shot in 96 frames per second. Uh, this is your first time experiencing 120 frames per second. Were you interested in seeing that, or were you kind of, you know, like, and what what did that factor have to do for you guys?
2: Yeah, I was certainly curious. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I already kind of knew, was thinking I, I wouldn't really enjoy. It. I don't know. There's mm-hmm. just that idea. I mean, that it's it's like a fun thing, but I don't know how it will help the film or hurt the film. But yeah, I was very curious to see, especially since I missed out on uh, Billy, you know, and uh, The Hobbit. So um, yeah, I was I was deeply curious.
0: I I too was curious, but I mean, I have a lot of stigmas going into this thing too. Like The Hobbit in forty eight, I think was atrocious. Right. Like I I can't watching that and the memory of watching that and the headache I got from watching that was just so. I was like either the projector I saw it in was severely busted or why do this to your eyes? Um, but, and then on top of that, I am one of the people that if I'm visiting a friend's parents' house or someplace where I am not in charge of the television and they're watching TV and they have like the motion blur, like the fake more frame, like that that motion sort of smoothing. look, yeah, yeah. motion smoothing, I am the person that will spend 20 minutes in the remote trying to prove to them that they're watching TV wrong when they've watched it so long they don't care. I'm that person. Right. So I no, I hate the fake version of this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder if I'll like the real version. Right. Um, So I definitely was 100% curious, especially after your talk about, at Billy Lynn, uh, uh, Shahir. Uh, and this being the first time that I'd seen it, I, I kind of wish, was Billy Lynn also 3D? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, I, I would,
1: mm. And I believe I actually saw that in 124K 3D.
0: Right. Uh, I would be really interested to see Gemini Man or other stuff in uh, in high frame rate, not 3D. Right, right. Uh, 3D throws things off for me in general. Not that I can't see it. It's just I generally don't enjoy it. And not to mention, no, let me rephrase. I don't enjoy it for five minutes and then I forget it's there. Right. So, so it starts you off on the bad foot, or starts me off on the bad foot.
1: Well, so the interrelationship between 120 frames and 3D is kind of critical to this whole equation. Um, because the, the reason people are doing things at 120 frames per second is to mitigate the choppiness of 3D. So the, there's, an, you know, there's a thing with 3D, which is basically you're getting an image per eye, right? Yes. So a left image and a right image. And they're being merged together by your brain. But at 24 frames per second, if the camera swings around, you'll get a sort of stuttering effect, which is what you traditionally get in film anyway, In 3D, the idea is that is uh, unacceptable and can break your brain a little bit, which is why people get headaches during 3D. So, the idea with 120 frames per second is to shoot as much clarity and detail as possible. So, if you notice, one of the things with um, uh, Gemini Man, when we all saw it, is that when the camera would swing around, there'd be none of that stuttering effect. The camera would move left to right completely smoothly, and there would be no uh, interference of image because of the 3D, you know, because of the way the 3D works.
0: But also because we're so used to 24 frames a second uh, for film. And I don't have the better word to use for this because it's not true, mm-hmm. but that movement, that level of sort of, uh, I, I w- weirdly like um, non-blurry clarity yeah. comes across as cheap, right? And and because we equate it with something more like twenty-nine-nine-seven or thirty or even sixty, depending on like television stuff or however that's shot and lit, etc. But the oh, you had something. Well, more? I was Sorry. to
2: say because soap operas are shot in sixty and they. Like look cheap, like, yeah.
1: Well, it's there. They they can be shot at twenty nine nine seven, but the the difference is, is that it's a television image, which means that it's interlaced. So it's firing the top. That yeah, sixty i. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's firing the top half of the image and then the bottom half of the image, and you sort of get this doubling of so twenty nine nine seven at uh, interlaced feels like sixty. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, but it, but you get this sort of like. Clarity, I believe they are though. The Mm. they are shot at 60 though. The soap operas, they currently they're shot at at a different frame rate.
0: Are you talking about like new now HD ones? Are you talking back in the day?
2: No, like currently. I, I, on the walk over here, I had I looked it up because I was like, I'm pretty sure. And so I was, I looked it up and it's like, yeah, they're currently shot at 60 frames per second. I wonder if they do that
0: to keep a certain,
1: I, I don't. Uh, you know, not to yeah. I don't believe they're shot at sixty because that's too much data to go through uh, for a soap opera fight., uh, but I would say it's it's shot at twenty nine nine seven interlaced. Uh, is the difference, which is like, which is, which is, if you do the math, is kind of like 60? Hey, listeners,
0: we're not going to check it during this episode. (laughs) Email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or onlymoviepod on Twitter and let us know who's right. Wait, where's the intern? Yeah, 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 where's he? Oh, Zoe's sleeping on the beast bag, so (laughs) we can't really. Zoe does not get to At any rate,
1: we all kind of tend to associate the higher frame rate look, you know, the interlaced look with being with feeling slightly cheaper. And I think than the I, 24 frame
0: look. I think I know why. Because it's not cheaper. It's way more expensive. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Um it, I think it has to do with the amateurish feel of, even on a smooth camera move, even, you see in 120 frames, the microscopic camera shakes. I don't know how else to put it. Like, there's there's little bits of movement, or like, even though it is smooth, it also comes across as a little bit more jittery, because like, the, the, the rack up, or the ease in, ease out, I don't know how to put it in camera terms, of like, the actual move from stop to start to stop, like isn't even or doesn't feel even every time.
1: Are you, t- are you talking about at 120 or 100 at At 120.
0: Okay. Um, and also, because you're shooting at 120 frames, you need a shit ton of light. Yeah. And then you 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 pump in the image full of light, which instantly makes it feel flatter, even though you're going to play with contrast, you're going to play with um, saturation, et cetera, and clamping and whatnot. But that also, in my brain, says soap opera. Like, we, it's very like, this is light, like... You know, so those are the things that really get me when I look at it.
2: I was going to say lighting as well, just because you can you can tell like it it looks unnatural in night scenes, like when they have to set up you know lights for. I feel like there was whenever they were on the dock in the evening, or like when he was the outside. Boat. That you know, I would just oh, well, that just was all light. day
0: for night with a with a, with a uh, replacement with a um, sky replacement. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Oh,
2: <laughs> Mm. It makes sense if it yeah. is um yeah because just a lot of times it just sort of looks was staged. it not
0: here?
1: i i i would say no because um because the amount of the, the amount of visual effects the throughput for visual effects for a film like this is so huge that if you could just shoot that at night with enough light that's going to be a, a bitter equation you might be right but i i, would, I don't I, think you could, I, could shoot that at like well like have you ever seen a sony a7 shoot camera uh you know like shoot yeah right yeah now? yeah, it's yeah. Like, you can shoot in moonlight if you can this is 138 million dollar film so you could shoot you know
0: I'd be interested. Uh, the it just I, I thought even when I was looking at those scenes, like I was like, oh, I I mean, again, maybe it's because I'm not used to seeing the frame rate, yeah. but in my brain, I was like, sky replacement. I was just like I, I just sort of read uh, it out well, well
1: here's that. the thing that I, I thought was very interesting about uh, the conversation that we had with those pe- uh, with the post-production team and also the conversations that Ang Lee has been having and I think one of the things he talked about you know because Ang Lee is a sort of he's an interesting filmmaker to be taking the helm for this kind of thing you know like the director of Crouching yeah. Tiger Hidden Dragon you know uh, Brokeback Mountain The Ice Storm you know like taking Woodstock it's, it's, it's unusual for this person to be spearheading technology as we know it but it all started I think I believe around um, the Life of Pi, or actually, actually for him, uh, uh, what he describes as the turning point for him was the Hulk. Yeah. When he did the Hulk, and he was basically doing, you know, full CGI character. Yeah. He was playing in this world of digital technology. Um. And he and I think the thing that he described and the post production team described is that the language of shooting on f- on film and shooting at twenty four frames per second is embedded in us in, in our culture at such a degree that to him it seems a little boring now. You know, like you know we know the lessons of, of how to shoot on film. We know the lessons of how to uh, how to make things look that uh, a certain way for film. What he was interested in is like, well, now we're using, we're starting to use digital technology. Instead of trying to make digital technology look like sure. this older technology film, he says we should try to learn the language of digital. Like what what do digital films look and feel like, and how can we tell stories in a with a digital camera that ex, that is inherently unique to what a digital camera is? And I think that's where a lot of this sort of stems from. And and you know like his his argument he's he's a very humble man. You know, yeah. He talks very sort of uh, openly about the fact that he doesn't necessarily think that he is the right person to kind of be do- spearheading this, and he doesn't necessarily think that like he's doing this the greatest work with this. Um, but you know, he hopes that that basically some of the steps that he takes can be adopted by other filmmakers. And and certainly James Cameron has also been, you know, is been you know, spearheading this whole movement, he's the one who persuaded Peter Jackson to kind of uh, take on 48 frames. He's going to be shooting the the remaining Avatar films. In, Way to in, go, in, James! Uh, in uh, I think 60 frames or something like that. So, I, I think I to me look I I yeah I don't like the look I I you know straight up don't you know like it doesn't do anything for me. Although I will admit it's basically the highest amount of clarity you can have with an image on screen. It's like the most crystal clear image you can get. But that's not... To me, what film is, is not clarity, but it's more... It, it, you know, film is about the interplay between
0: what you see and what you don't see. It's style,
1: yeah, you know, like so it's it's that sort of balance of of how you
0: paint with light. Style begets feeling. Like that's like the, the thing that i there were I will say in in gemini man, uh, and in the experience of watching it in one hundred twenty, and I think will, I mentioned this to you right when we were leaving was like there were certain shots where it was the correct distance, say, if like if I was looking at characters, but, like, I was where my seat was and the screen was where the screen was and then maybe a little bit sort of, like, physically past that, right? With the 3D and the 120, if the sizes matched up with that geometry that I just set up, my brain snapped and was like, Will Smith is here. Like, right. and I, I didn't have that conscious thought, but that's what it felt like. The And that's amazing. The problem is... That a film is cut together with multiple different shots from multiple different, you know, not only focal lengths, but, like, actually distances and things like that. So when you have that moment and cut away to something else that feels completely alien and going back through all of those things, it actually, for me, was a little bit more jarring than I thought it was. Like, the clarity in in that point was actually a detriment to me paying attention to what the hell was going on. Um... And it was weird. Uh, You never, at least, look, I don't know, maybe filmmakers do want to do this, but, like, you never want the technical side of your film to be pulling you out of your film. I would imagine that's something people don't shoot for unless it's an actual tech demo. Which, again, I I don't want, you know, Gemini Man in itself, to me, first thoughts, felt like a highly expensive tech demo. Uh, and it felt a little bit, and this is not a detriment uh, all the way, but it felt like a video game cutscene throughout the entire thing. And that's again because I'm used to seeing uh, frame rates like that in games, in gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention uh, junior, young Will Smith's face still doesn't quite break that uncanny valley. There's lots of it that's very impressive, and I, I like, I love watching the steps forward in this, in this either. Y- making someone youthful or just creating CG characters because they're going to get there. It's just not quite there yet. I don't know.
1: Well, how about you, Will? What, I mean, what did you think? I'm just initial impressions of either watching it at 120 frames or just the film itself.
2: Uh, Yeah, and it... Another addition to your like what it it thought it looked like when it first started, especially with like the train and then Budapest, it felt like a travel video like videos highlighting welcome to the sunny, beautiful Budapest. Like, Mm -hmm. and you know, some like the establishing shots just felt very like commercial, like i think that you were saying like you know it's jarring when it takes you from one aspect of like a, of a shot that it works for to another shot that it doesn't work for like at all or like it that makes it look like that and like and um yeah like i i was blown away by a lot of the by the use of it for some shots but confused by the others um but narratively script wise it was a little um paint by numbers and and there was some uh some dialogue that just could have really just <laughs> helped some some scenes some key moments and especially in the beginning with i just i, I just don't know how how um, young will smith's character uh junior existed for 23 years and no one knew about him like we saw his house we saw his room <laughs> you know nobody um, asked clive Owen like
1: uh, who's the mama
2: and <laughs> right like and like you know what that guy looks a lot uh, like yeah. another guy that yeah. works here <laughs> What's, but he's your son yeah but anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he was clearly he would he was at those training those training facilities, um, yeah, or just like how many people saw him, but somehow Will Smith did not know,
0: right? They were all in the Gemini program, but Will Smith had been out for so long for twenty three years or whatever. I don't know. I'm making excuses, but they for the still film.
2: had similar bosses because Clive Owen was with that woman who oh, was the boss, right. They, like, well, they
0: knew, but they were secret. And then Clive Owen blackmails right. the the government lady.
2: Anyway, so strange. And uh. then the the last scene. I'm, as soon as it ended, lights go up, and I'm like, How did Junior get into college without an identity? <laughs> he just got <laughs> yeah, his identity. Yeah, he
1: just like turned up with a possible and Miles, spoiler like, alert. You need that to get oh, into. I'm college.
0: so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, here's here's something I'm gonna say right off the bat here. Uh, the, the and and this is I think a weakness of the film. The only spoiler for this this film is there are no spoilers that like the, the every so the trailer if you've seen the trailer and i know sure you didn't watch the trailer beforehand oh i well
1: because of the trip that
0: oh, i went on i had to watch it many well times. well look <laughs> who cheated at his own game yeah. uh no but like but if you've seen the trailer you know exactly everything – the trailer hides nothing from you. And if you've seen a movie before, you know where it's going to go. So I don't think – like and, and and another thing that bugged me plot-wise, and I'll come back to this later, is every interesting possibility where this story could have gone, it just picks it up and drops it and moves on. And therefore, I don't feel like speaking anything about this film is, a, is something that will affect – your enjoyment of it, one iota. So, on that note, I'm going to talk about the very end of the film, <laughs> where where Junior is shown on a college campus, and Henry, older Will Smith's character, and uh, uh, what was Mary Elizabeth? What was her name? What was her character's oh,
1: name? I her character's name was uh, uh, Danny. Common, Danny. common
0: uh, college student, Danny. Yeah. Zara uh, Zara uh, Zara-Wesky, uh They're at the college campus and they're meeting Junior. Junior's walking with some friends holding books. So, like, it looks like he's in college. (laughs) And then Will Smith gifts him his own passport and IDs to so he can then, like, be legitimate. Even though, as Will has pointed out, He's already very much in college. Right. He's got friends. They know his name. <laughs> he's been there for... Do you think he's just one of those guys
1: that just turns up to classes? You know, like people do... Like oh, like, turn up on oh, campus he audited just, the classes? Oh, he's yeah, auditing. He's just auditing yeah. the classes?
2: Or, and they're still calling him Junior, and then finally <laughs> he'll be like, "Give him my real name. Is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And,
0: and the, the, the really interesting thing here, too, is this is the cheapest feeling shots of the entire movie on this sunny campus where you really see the facial mapping a little bit fall apart. Um, Man, I can't imagine... Side note, watching this in 4K and seeing this facial mapping. Because I feel like the 2K even hides some of the rough edges. But like you could even see in some of the grading, like a little bit of the you a little the bit of the halo. The, yeah. Is, yeah. Um, but but this scene feels like a scene out of fuller house like <laughs> and it ends like five or six times where there's like that note like no see you later pops or whatever not if i see you first ha 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 And you expect credits to roll but then they keep walking and they're like so what are you gonna eat for lunch today it's like i don't know but you better not follow me ha, ha, ha. and then it, like it does that five or six times and you're like man what when's this when's it gonna when's it done we don't I don't know. It was it was well, strange. Now that
1: you spoil the whole film, can you tell us what the what Gemini Man is a Oh,
0: let me tell you. Uh the IMDB description of Gemini Man uh, uh, is so A highly accurate. And B, will spoil everything for you right up top. Here we go. An over the hill hitman faces off against a younger clone of himself. That's it. One <laughs> word one line pitch.
1: So the interest the interesting ah. thing about how this film came about is that uh famously the pitch for this film and the, the actual original script for this film was sold in 1997 uh, uh, in New Jersey of all places uh, by writer Darren Lemke. Um, and this this script, uh, I even read about this script many, many years ago because it floated around Hollywood for, you know, this entire time as one of these great unmade films. You know, people were talking about this, uh, the, you know, like forever as this amazing script that that couldn't get made. And, and there were so many tests of this film, so many directors have come and gone uh, and attached themselves to this film um, you know Curtis Hanson Joe Carnahan what uh, year was this again I'm so sorry 1997
0: man it feels like a 1997 script yeah,
1: it's a script. 1997 film yeah And and you know like every every big leading man in Hollywood was attached to this film at some stage: Harrison Ford, Chris O'Donnell, for some reason, Mel Gibson, John Voight, Nicolas Cage, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Clint Eastwood, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and Sean Connery. Thank God!
0: Thank God! Arnold only did the Sixth Day for his clone movie. I I actually like the Sixth Day. It's it's trash, but it's my trash.
2: (laughs) But also, he's no stranger to um, digital de aging. So also true. Well, that recently through uh, through the Terminator. Yeah,
1: but the the problem was that nobody was nobody was sure how to do the combination of things, uh, which is the the cloning and the de aging. You know, like how do you get um, Harrison Ford to fight off a younger version of Harrison Ford? Do you hire a double? Do you uh, you know? Do you do use makeup? You know, this is again 1997, so you're still thinking about early nascent technology in terms of CGI, and there were um, tests done all over the place for every one of these filmmakers. Um, but nobody could kind of crack this thing. And then Skydance uh, Pictures bought the... Uh, bought the, uh, the other thing is the script has basically got sold from studio to studio. Everyone else trying to take a crack at it. Um, famously, there's an article, I think, in The Hollywood Reporter this week about Darren Lemke, uh, the person who originally wrote this entire treatment, who went to the screening of Gemini Man. And he was like, I haven't seen this film. You know, I haven't touched this film for, like... 15 years now, you know, like he was, he was attached early on and wrote some drafts. What did he think? Uh, well, he doesn't say what he thinks about it, but he's like, yeah. look, I, he's had no involvement in this. He's credited as a screenwriter now, but he's had no involvement in this. The writers uh, credited screenwriters now include uh, uh, Billy Ray, who's a fantastic writer, and uh, your boy David Benioff from Game of Thrones. Uh, oh man! Uh, oh wow! Yeah. Um, so you know, like this <laughs> it's is your boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's your boy David Benioff. It didn't. Uh, who's the other? Uh, who's the other D? It's D and D. That's yeah, all I know. Yeah, who's the other D? I
0: forget the other uh, <laughs> there's a D. Throwing yes. some D's on it. DB
1: DB Weiss is that? It? Yeah, that no. sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, something like that. Um, so this script has been floating around for the longest period of time. You know, famously unmade. Ang Lee kind of jumps onto it, and I I, I get the impression. I, I think this might be entire. This is entirely uh, hypothetical, but I think you know, like the question was asked. I want to do something, um, you know, Billy Lynn's Longtime Halftime Walk was not a success. Uh, it was an interesting uh, attempt at using this technology, but it was used specifically for a drama. Sure. Uh, and the question was asked, what is an action film we could throw this technology at? And, you know, and then again, this, this script has been floating around as like one of these great unmade films. And, you know, it was like, hey... This might be the time for Gemini Man to kind of, you know, like make its way through. Um, I'm interested to see what happened uh, between the 1997 version and this version. Uh, Lemke himself says, you know, it doesn't really quite resemble uh, what was there, but obviously the pitch is still the same.
0: Well, it's from a story perspective, (laughs) uh, it's funny because at the same time, Concept-wise, treats cloning as like the craziest sci-fi thing, which maybe in 1997, like in cinema, it was by now. No. Uh, But also, at the same time... It downplays any philosophical musings of cloning, maybe because they cut them out because people didn't they didn't think like that would be a draw at all anymore because it's so benign. But at the same time, if you're these characters in this world, you really have to think about it from their point of view and not the audience's. sort of like we know what clones are. It's not that special anymore. Like there was zero reverence for the fact like that, like after a, a initial shocked face from both Henry and Junior, no one gave a shit that there were clones. Junior when he confronts Clive Owen's daddy character isn't like how dare you make a clone? How dare me be a clone or whatever. He's like you lied to me. Like more about it felt like a parentage thing. Right? Like it didn't feel it didn't feel like cloning mattered
1: at all. I'm also I'm also curious at uh, like what Clay Viris's, uh you know, um uh, Clive Owen's character's plan was because he was like like did he not think that Junior would look at Henry and go, Hey, that's weird? Like, like he didn't tell him before he went that's in. so true. He didn't like tell him, Oh, by the way, you're gonna go kill this guy who looks just like you. And <laughs> pay no mind to it. Pay no mind. Just ignore It's, it's weird, but yeah. honestly, you, you should have come just in. Kill and, him, yeah. It would have be been amazing if he came into the room and was like half Oh my god, you're gonna have to see this dude I, I've got to kill. You. He looks just like so you. But uh, but you know, don't worry.
0: <laughs> this is the thing. That's another interesting moment that I can give you a five dollar script vision and make it actually work, which is, if he was trying to prove that his clone system worked or whatever, it would be, like, yeah, let's see if the younger clone can take out the older clone. And like, they, I don't even remember them hinting at it so much as me kind of wanting that to be a bit of it. Like, you're right, Shaheer. They don't mention why he sends him, other than like, you think it might be because, he wants to see it or like you logically put yourself in that position there's a moment after he finds out that he is the clone when Clive Owen tries to convince him <laughs> unsuccessfully without showing the turn um that uh he's your darkness junior you have to get like but they never say like why he's the darkness <laughs> yeah they tip like
1: there's this funny thing with this film, which is that the, the hook is front and center in the trailer, the hook is front and center in the poster, the hook is front and center in the title, and yet the characters don't figure it out for like a solid hour. And like and like even even though they've interacted with each other, they're they're like they're like, Wow, that guy just he, he he knew all my moves. What what was up with that? He looked just like me and they're like, you know, someone actually has to go and physically do a DNA test off cam well not off camera, but like Never we see it camera. and then and for them to actually be convinced about this whole thing. And then they're like, cloning, huh? Oh. And then they don't
0: care. <laughs> they don't worry about the philosophical aspects of it. Does Junior have a soul? Does that make him a more effective killer one way or the other? Like, there's a ton plus, of different... Plus, their ideas
1: about nature versus nurture are really weird. Like, Will Smith seems to like think, well, he's my clone, therefore I know exactly what he's been through. Which is like... No, that's not – because at one point he says, oh, I bit you at 19, he taught you how to kill rabbits or something. I was like, how would you
0: know that? Oh, well, I thought, okay, maybe this is – yeah, you're 100% right. You just poked another hole. (laughs) I thought it was that, like, Clive Owen helped raise –
2: No, because Clive Owen is the same age as Will Smith.
0: Yeah, it was like the, well, yeah. They, must have trained
2: together. Oh yeah, that,
1: because
0: he's like, because he's like, oh, he trained him in the same way, but he no, shouldn't no, but know he, the he shouldn't know the year. No,
1: but also like Will Smith had his own upbringing. Like he was you know like his his dad abandoned him. He was raised by his mother. So he has an entirely different upbringing to Junior. But he seems to have like all these presumptions about how Junior was raised. You know, it's like I bet you he started you hunting on deer, and then at the age of nineteen got you into rabbits. Right. So it's <laughs> the
0: age thing that bugs me. It's it's lines like that in the script that feel like but either like leftovers. how do you know any of this. because he did train under Vargas or whatever the heck that company he, was he I did he, he trained, e- trained with him yeah yeah, yeah but, but that's he and he almost him. drowned him that's the whole thing which they get away from that oh oh I, I have a good thing to say i'm so sorry the drowning scene the transition between the mm-hmm. drowning and the raising and when he swims and all mm-hmm. that jazz which they kind of drop the drowning thing halfway through as who well? was
1: the person drowning will smith's character though? His, it was supposed to be his dad I it thought. was his dad and right? his mom yeah so it wasn't will out. smith drowning him
0: No, no, I know that. I thought it was Vargas maybe training him and then doing whatever, but then, yeah, you're right. But anyway, that (laughs) shot of that transition between with the ripples of the water and the 120 frames, fucking that looked gorgeous.
1: I mean, water looks great in 120 frames, right? Like, it's crystal clear. Yeah. It's like, especially if you went to film in, like, Barbados, or or they were filmed in Cartagena, or, uh, no, no, Atlanta. Oh, this yeah. is Georgia, right? Yeah. Uh, so water looks great there. I mean, if you went to, you know, like the Maldives or something like that and filmed water, you know, you got a movie in your hands. Sure.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> or at least a really nice travel video. You're, oh, yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's like what Will said before. <laughs> travel video. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, look, I'm not going to convince anyone <laughs> that this is a worthwhile movie to see. I did kind of like, I think... For me, the only thing I will say in terms of like pos- net positives here, and we're talking very like net positives over gross gross <laughs> negatives, uh, which were like a couple of things surprisingly i thought the film was committed to one central idea about the relationship between junior and henry what which was that is the idea of fatherhood and what fatherhood means and like clive owens character you know basically is the the villain father in this in this scenario um you know the 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 sort of villain uh, foster father and henry comes in as sort of like almost like a biological father and i, and I was like you know it reminded me that Ang Lee does come from a background of like human drama, particularly familial drama, you know like he does know how to do that stuff. second thing was um, I surprisingly, the first action the first action sequence that really showcased what one hundred and twenty frames is good for, which was the um, the motorcycle chase yeah. in Cartagena, I was like,
2: you know what? Um. Uh,
1: I, I. I. don't love this, but I can see what's happening, and I can see what the thinking was that got this to screen. Looked nice. You look. You know. It looked nice. It felt visceral. I was kind of in it. Um, and and I, you know, like just from a, a sort of purely uh, outside point of view, I kind of liked that. You know, it felt like I was going to see something special. There was like a a quality to like a paying, <laughs> probably just the just me trying to like uh, justify evis- the twenty eight dollars, Yeah, yeah, yeah ju- eviscerate my buyer's remorse by like going, well, at least for thirty dollars, I'm going to see something that I definitely cannot see at home.
0: I could have bought like three or four games on Steam with that money, and I'm still
1: <laughs> no. I like I liked that I was like tuning up the seats were really nice you know like the you know like everything felt very you You are
0: you are selling yourself hard (laughs) yeah the seats were really nice i
2: mean the theater experience is so important i think so when there's just um additives to it you know extra things like the seats being really nice the the recliners the everything else it it it, i like the the idea like let's try something new yeah for a, a a different May hopefully more fun theater experience. Yeah, yeah.
1: I kind of I was like you know like I I was I was there for that, but there's no way I'm going to try and convince anybody mm-hmm. that this is uh, a, a worthwhile movie. I, I I will say this. I I didn't think it was an absolutely terrible experience. It was not. You know, like it was no. kind of like a a possible um, you know experience in terms of like. There was a story, there was a central idea that was kind of holding this thing all together. It was ridiculous. It was ludicrous. It didn't really make a lot of sense. It's easy to poke holes in any of it, and I don't think it's very good. And I also would not recommend it to anyone. So
0: here's something interesting I like a lot of films that don't make a lot of sense and that are silly, and the premise is crazy, right? So, what holds those films together? I was really thinking about this because the beats of this movie. You know, you could put these in a superhero film or like anything like that, and it's all kind of the same. I'm like, so why is this movie falling flat when it has star power of of two people, two actors, really three if you go with Benedict Wong too, like mm-hmm. the, of, of actors that I really... four, Clive Owen, sure. The why does this movie fall flat? And it's because each character, including the mains, I can't tell you a thing. About their personalities, I uh, Clive Owen is the only one with even you that if you weren't if you didn't know uh, genders or the way people looked or any of that jazz and you read these lines back and forth or you flip flopped the, the the thing like there's no discernible personality traits for any of these characters other than Clive Owen's character. They all read pretty much exactly the same. It this and this was sad because I love Will Smith. I I here I know you love Will Smith. Will, do you like Will Smith? I do like Will Smith. So so, but this was the literal blandest I'd ever seen Will Smith, and that and I, twice he was in it twice, and that kind of got me a little sad. I uh, recently I rewatched for the exercise and pain, and just sort of like I like sort of watching terrible things from time to time. I rewatched Suicide Squad in the background. <laughs> I will say. Will Smith brings something to that movie that makes his scenes stand out, oddly making the rest of the film juxtaposed even worse. But he he brings a joy to a baseline shooter character in that film. And I would argue that it would be harder to do it there than in a movie where that character was the true leading sort of star or driving force of the plot. And here, it just felt like Will Smith's Henry was bland, and then the younger version was even blander. And I was I was kind of hoping that like maybe younger junior would be a little bit more of like a hot shot. Like maybe like he's a bit more of like a punk sort of type guy, like who's like rebelling against like it or would even be even
1: more of the first prince? Sure. Like like you could just be more of the first prince, you know? Yeah. You know, like that's that's what that's the look. Be you know, more
0: like. Will Smith than less of this uh woeward, wayward assassin, which that trope too, along with clones, went out A long time ago of the assassin with the heart of gold. I need to retire. And then the government's coming at like there's (laughs) there's so much trite going on that with no discernible character traits for any of these people, it just was like it washed over me again. You can't hate it because there's nothing to hate.
2: Yeah. It's it's so true. For I mean, for a character, for Junior, for a character to exist for 23 years um, and essentially not really have an outside world, like, it would be nice to know a little bit more about him. And yeah, like, just being a a trained assassin, one of the best, if not the best, dumb as rocks. Why was he so stupid? Like, I, <laughs> I felt like there were just some things he said and did that was just so dumb. And apparently he all he wants is a bowl of cereal like or that's on his diet for assassin like i I was like that's I, weird. I couldn't understand I was like was was the character meant to be a bit younger yeah. originally and then they like aged him up but they just like kept this I mean like sure twenty three year olds like cereal, but I was just like, what a strange also
1: also like you've just sent this dude to kill someone like in another country and then he comes back and you're like, how about a bowl of cereal? Okay.
0: <laughs> I' like you're gonna get you' gonna give this dude some that, weed? just good. lucky yeah. charms <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wonder if that was an old attempt at humor. Like, he, I, And then I tried thinking if this movie was at all, like, had any comic relief to it. And I I had trouble finding something other than the line in the trailer when he says to him, I came because I'm the best. And he, cla- he, he cocks the gun. He's like, obviously, you are not the best. Like, that's a funny line in that context. But I remember la- chuckling at that in the trailer. And even though I knew it was coming, because of, I just was just, like, sort of droned into this thing. Uh, I did not laugh. You know, I was waiting for the uh, hell no. Did we hear one? Oh, do we uh, like just a just a straight up
2: oh hell no? Well, that's that's like a Will Smith staple and everything. Is like a or... very loud oh hell no. <laughs> like that's I feel like that's one of his things and like it's in everything. Squad. It's in yeah. iRobot. It's in like the Men in Blacks. Like I. I was waiting for it, but.
1: Isn't that a trope yeah. as well of like black characters in a in any movie now, though? As oh, well? gosh, like, I think, yeah, you're right. Like it might be just like a trope, movie, trope. Like, scary movie kind of makes a joke about it or something. Like, but oh, Will no, no, Smith, no Will it was. A, what it was, the was the high like school movie coin. with yeah. uh, Chris Evans? Uh, where, not another teen movie. Yeah, not another teen movie where like a character walks in and just like
2: says, <laughs> oh, oh the, hell no. The black token yeah, character. black token character walks in yeah. and says, oh, hell no. Yeah, he would just, he, he was like, I have to say my line now, like my quip, like my joke. Yeah. 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 But no, I really like, yeah. Yeah. But I was thinking maybe Benedict Wong, he was kind of there to serve a little bit of uh, jokey humor. He came in with, like, the funnies sometimes because he was, like, an eccentric, like, I'm a goofy guy. Like, right, but he wouldn't really make jokes jokes, but... I liked
0: like, when he was feeding his toucan or whatever.
1: He was smoking cigars next to his toucan. Yeah. So I was like, not good for the toucan. Um, uh, yeah. That's true. But then the other thing was, is like, uh, Benedict Wong kind of felt like um, th- there was a thing where, like, all of these guys were like former uh, Marines or some sort of military guys that all served in Kuwait and Afghanistan and Pakistan and Syria and all these places. And they had definitely all aged, like, you know, like they were all like belly guts and stuff, except for Will Smith. Yep. It was well, like, he a, was still working up
0: until before. The rest of them seemed like they were Well, no, they were all working. Like, like, one. They the, were working. The one guy- owned a piloting company. No. The other guy was screwing someone against his wife's will. Yeah, on yeah a no, boat. He was,
1: But he was—he was still a mercenary of some kind.
0: No, he was like a spy clandestine Yeah, yeah. So there bullshit. was,
1: but but like for some reason, Will Smith was kind of like still svelte because it was his last <laughs> job. It was his
0: last confirmed kill. <laughs> so that he was just gonna, give he
2: was, him one year,
0: he would have look one. just like those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, uh, it is a
1: strange choice. Like I get the I get the idea. You want to have Will Smith. Like you know, like Angley said something along the lines: the only other actor that. He, he, Angley talked about talks about Will Smith in this movie in a really interesting way, which is that, you know, he, talk, he says, "Oh, you know, like Will Smith wasn't that bad an actor when he was young." He says it in those in, and he couches in that sort of term and you're like, "Oh, that's weird." Oh, yeah. And then he says like, "And we really just ne- we needed a movie star to sell this." And it's like he talks about him in that sort of like, "We need a big personality here." But then it's weird because the film kind of like dampens all of that down. Yep. And the thing that I, you know, like, yeah, I was I was sort of curious that it would be really interesting. Basically, you get to time travel with Will Smith, uh, with two characters on screen, you know, like you know, metaphorically time travel, and you get to see like what does the younger
2: version of this character look like? Is he different? But he's exactly the same. It's but really, blander. But yeah, it's it's really strange. I totally, one hundred percent, see the like of all the other actors you mentioned who were once attached to it. Um, out of all those other actors, Will Smith, it makes so much sense for him to do this because we also know what his younger self looks like because that we was, grew up with. Him. We grew up with him. Yeah. So I think as for like a studio pick like you know yes Will Smith because the audience already knows they like young Will Smith so it's like the, you were kind of banking on the appeal of current Will Smith and 90s Will Smith which right like if we like but, but, but it's it, a switcheroo it's a it is a switcheroo but if we were getting like young Sean Connery w- like we you know, sure yeah, we're getting you are getting, getting James Bond but um oh, I was thinking Nicolas Cage there's a very Many different young Nicolas Cages. Yep. What would that have looked like? Clint Eastwood we'll is another know. good example because yeah. we,
1: we know what Clint Eastwood like yeah. was like. The the weird, this is my thing and it, like it was just an impression I got. Will Smith has not aged very much. Like I stood next to the man. He's fifty one years old. He looks thirty years younger than me. You know, like he looks really young. He's doing good. He I mean like he looks younger and bitter and fitter than I ever will in my twenties. And it was like and and when you it, finally turned twenty, when when, when I finally <laughs> turned twenty, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and I was like, it's such a strange choice. You know, like you got to age him up for this role, to, you know, like really makes sense, but they play him as 51 and it's,
0: I, and then I, junior on the flip side of it. Like, so from a, from a marketing standpoint, Will, I guarantee you people in a, in a meeting room somewhere were like, Oh yes, this is perfect. A hundred percent because that's true. Everyone loves young Will Smith. This'll yeah. totally do. But I, I, I kind of think weirdly When not treated in a cameo situation, and even then, like when Carrie Fisher showed up at the end of Rogue One, Mm -hmm. or quote hard air quotes Carrie Fisher, uh, Princess Leia showed up at the end. There, people got a little bit miffed or weirded out, which I didn't mind it too much because it was like a bit of a cameo. Same with Grand Moff Tarkin, the guy who played him in that movie. The the oh, I guess he was more of a character, but here he was in that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Uh, but here, um, man. What? Yeah, look, I, I like admit. You, you. Have you have young Will Smith? But you not you have something that looks pretty close, nearing the edge of the uncanny valley, young Will Smith, and you don't have him remotely act young or like young Will Smith. You maybe could be young as in like a homeschooled sort of like or like no, I shouldn't even say homeschool, just someone who is very uh <laughs> like an introverted um kind of um shy assassin. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a very
1: bizarre sort of set of parameters that this character, because he's not even sort of, uh, he he's, he doesn't even seem to, be, seem to be that great an assassin. You know, like, he, he's physically faster and, you know, stronger than Will Smith. He shot
0: the, a grenade back at Will Smith. But he can't seem to, like, like
1: he, he pops his head out, like, in front of an assassin who can shoot... Uh, a person in a moving train. And you know, like, you know, like it's only by chance that he doesn't get killed.
0: you know what? You're very correct. They tell us a lot how good all of these people are, and we only see maybe a very few times like that they're actually good in conjunction with them being incredibly <laughs> stupid. I, I
1: look, i I think the mo- you know, like the, the, there's a couple of things that I was thinking about with this as well, which is that one, the the there's no marvel to the and i mean marvel in terms of like the awe inspiring factor to the de-aging like you don't look at it and go wow look at that it's young will smith you look at it and you go i can kind of see the seams of where this thing is being <laughs> stitched like, i guess it's the, yeah yeah you, you did it i guess so and i was i was thinking about two two films that they're like really came to mind one was uh i don't know if anyone's seen this but peter jackson's film bad taste not uh, forever end, no. ago. Yeah, there's a sequence in Bad Taste where Peter Jackson. This is like his first movie, uh, and he, you know, famously he kind of filmed it over the course of four and a half years or something like that. And he ran out of money so many times, and actors dropped out. And there's a sequence where he he filmed the first half when he started the movie, and he plays one of the characters. And then he needed that character to like fall off a cliff, and so he has a fight sequence with another, you know, it's a zombie alien or something like oh, it's an alien. But he plays the other alien. So it's Peter Jackson, like, a year later, fighting the younger Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. And it's completely seamless. And you're kind of always surprised at, like, the the level of interactivity that he sort of manages to weave in. And this is, you know, again, pre-any digital technology. So he's just cutting it together really fast and quickly. And you kind of, like, get that sense. And it's, like, it's kind of awe-inspiring when you watch it. And he's, and And you sort of think about, like, the... You know, uh, I thought a lot about um, uh, the David Cronenberg film *Dead Ringers*, where um, uh, the uh, blah, blah, I've gone blank on the actor's name, but you know, very famous act. He played Alfred in the uh, *Batman v Superman*. Um, <laughs> why have I gone blank on his name? I don't uh, know. Jeremy. Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Irons. Jeremy, Jeremy Irons, Yeah. Irons, yeah. yeah. Um, where Jeremy Irons is basically playing two twins, and it's like it's miraculous when you watch it because these two, he's like on screen interacting with himself, and you're kind of like, oh my god, how do they do this? There's not None of that sort of sense of how did they do this with this film, you know, right. like there's there's no there's no sort of like, oh, my God, you know, like all it is is like, huh? Yeah, I guess you threw a lot of money at this.
0: Yeah, you know? no, exactly. Uh, I just checked Twitter. Okay. Uh, I did before the show, I uh, posted on Twitter just as a little experiment to see if we could get some last minute hot takes from people about Gemini Man who've seen it. And a couple have come in, so we can talk uh, through these. Uh, two of them are kind of short, and then one is a little bit longer, so here we go. Uh, Turstman uh, says, I honestly could not finish the movie. <laughs> the dialogue was way too bad, and hope you guys can find some redeeming value out of that movie. Let's take that for a second. I agree. But let's, I mean, let's, let's, we've been, we've been poo pooing a little bit. Let's try to, like, we said some things we liked. Mm-hmm. The, the, the motorcycle chase scene felt pretty cool. When the moments, uh, where the disparity of the, basically when you stayed on a shot long enough that was the proper length, it felt uh, realistic.
2: When the convenience store is being shot up and Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Will Smith are on the ground crawling. Um, since it was so clear, you could see the actors, you could feel that they were in danger, because you could see the whole scope of it, It everything was going crazy. Sure. Yep. That
1: looked great. Yep, that's true. she here? Anything else? Uh, this is more of a sort of looking at the body of Ang Lee's work, uh-huh. and I would say he's made two films right now about like uh, soldiers suffering from PTSD. And the question marks around soldiers suffering from PTSD, and what what should we do about that? And I think it's it's interesting that that this has been his
0: preoccupation with this technology.
1: And I think I think that's an interesting idea.
0: Well, I don't think this movie remotely deals with PTSD.
1: It the question that Clive Owen asks is, should we be sending real people into into harm's way? And the whole oh, thing, and the whole, yep, and the whole. Up. And the whole thing he's talking about there is like, what if we could send not real people into? And 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 for that moment, I was like, mm, maybe Clive Owens onto something here. Maybe his characters onto something. Well, yeah.
0: And if it, the movie ever delved into that beyond it the line, really. Uh-huh. But yep.
1: it, but it is like uh, between this and Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, and I think if you're looking at it from the point of view that that um, the the visual quality is supposed to kind of
2: give you this sense of overwhelming clarity,
1: I think that's an interesting. Se- I, I don't. That's
2: I,
0: really interesting. That sounds I like that. The, yeah. The, the
2: villain's thesis is actually a really good
0: thesis. I yeah. wish we could have explored that. It's, it's and, what and I, probably got Angley interested in the film right. in general to use.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it's like a it's an interesting idea. And like the thing that I was like kind of what made the film not a terrible movie for me was like watching it going, you know, he's he's playing around with something sort of here. And that the film in no way. Executes this idea very no. well, or does anything with it, and I don't think Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk did either. Um, but but it's sort of like it's an interesting milieu, and if you think about yeah. uh, if you think about Ang Lee as a filmmaker, he's a filmmaker that kind of like has made a lot of varied films. You know, like the variety of films is so wide, so diverse. Yeah, yeah but but he, he 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 tends to think about people dealing with trauma in some way, and I think it was you know sort of clear and and, and evident in this film. I
0: there was a sentence about it, and I wish it went to it further. I like that take on it. I really think that it that would be if they explored that, mm. and it was a bit more of a basis, and you got into a bit sort of like I mentioned before, like okay, if we're not going to send real people, then are clones real people? And that would, uh, be, that an would be great. Yeah. Uh. So so thank you, Turisman. Uh. Next up, uh, the Twitter handle. I like this one. Here we go. Twatty McTwatface. Mm, good. <laughs> Fun. Says.
1: Is that the name of the boat? That should have been the name of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been the name of the boat that Will
0: Smith visits and then gets his friend killed. Um, didn't like it. Plot was weak and the dialogue was bad. So, all right. Still on board with with what we're sort of saying. What's funny is I don't think we can blame Darren Limpke for the dialogue because this is
1: like... This, you know, there's a lot of big writers attached to this at this point. This Which is, is silly. You know, like it should have had many revisions in terms of the
0: dialogue. We we walked out when we were walking out of the theater, we were talking. Oh, exactly and, what you're gonna say. And yeah. I have a bit of a of a thing I call the two week the, the two-week paradox. <laughs> when you're dumping so much money into a movie, into this thing that's going to take months to years to create, and that you're trying to really like get out there to for people to see, you're dumping money into it. Can you not take two weeks and just make sure your script is tight? Now, look, that's simplifying a script writing process. And I'm not saying that you could fix every problem in a script in two weeks. But this script, we're all writers here. (laughs) If we had nothing to do and we were paid for for two weeks, we could make this script easily 50 percent better I am confident that I, any of us alone could do that I and that's not saying a ton I'm just you know
1: I, I would I the only thing I would argue is that there's a thing that happens on big films like this which is that it tends to feel like there is a train and all you can do is like lay the tracks out and the hope it doesn't crash so there's probably you know like in terms of like the parameters of like how to do a rewrite in this film you know you might get something because because one of the things about this film that I was like what was like, why did they go to Cartagena? Why did they go to Budapest? <laughs> like, there's no real reason for it. They're just no. like, oh, let's just go here. They need okay. talking
0: shots on a G6, and then
1: we'll go back here, and then we'll go here. There's like no real parameters to it, like that makes sense narrative-wise. And so, part of when I watch that, I go, must be really hard to come into this thing. Basically, you know, like if you're David Benioff, they're throwing a lot of money at you to like have David Benioff on this thing, um, and, and like his parameters probably are, you've got a week. We've got to write. We've got to punch this thing up. Character has to go to Budapest and have a motorcycle chase. What can you give me? And and basically, all you can do is like write some pages because you'll be like, well, I can't like stop the whole movie and have
0: them visit something
1: else. You know? But I'm yeah, not
0: we- talking about. I'm not talking about like redoing plot points. I, I'm honestly, seriously, just considering dialogue, <coughs> dialogue punch ups. I it's baffling to me. It's yeah. baffling that, that it, but again, it's, it's because, and, I, and we've all worked in television too. So we know that this, like, obviously this happens everywhere, right. but like, how do people not see, just take, just take a little bit more time. You've dumped so, you've dumped so much money, so many people's hours, blood, sweat, and tears, so much. You you don't want to make sure that the, 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 the foundation of this thing is remotely enjoyable.
2: You know, there was there was one moment of the movie I thought we were gonna get this certain twist, but it never happened because so um the guy that Will Smith was working with that was um uh, in the beginning yeah that guy I, the young actor yeah. you know there's when his there's handler. Things, yeah. His, oh yeah. yeah his the guy who was on the look at whatever like there's things that you know that aren't said that you're like why didn't they say that but there's things that are said in scripts that you're like okay why was that added in there should this come back later when he has the um, off-camera shooting death. I was like, oh, here we go. This is very PG-13. I can tell right now. Um, he filmed it, and he goes, you know, like there was a whole scene where he's like, delete that, delete that. I was like, is this a shot of humor or is this going to come back later? Um, That guy gets shot off-camera. We hear it on the phone. We don't see it. And I'm yep. like, that's suspicious. And then later, Benedict Wong is talking about how he saw a Will Smith's um, being attacked outside his house. and He goes, how did you see that? And I'm like, oh, is that guy still alive mm. filming things? Mm. And then it was never discussed again. So sure. I'm like, oh, Red Herring? Mm, I don't mm. think the script was that smart to put in a Red Herring. But also, like, another written thing that was a huge reveal was the third <laughs> Will <laughs> Smith. Will Smith <laughs> the third. Did you hear in the theater an audible gasp from the audience? And I'm like, who else would like That's not clever. <laughs> it would have been more of a gasp if it was a Clive Owen club or, that, that, that
0: or Clive only Owen.
1: Re- the only reason I gasped was that I was like, oh, this is obviously Clive Owen because they would they would never be silly enough to that's put right. another Will Smith <laughs> and to like
2: make us think it could be
1: anybody <laughs> else. I was
2: like, what if even was another Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Oh, like, that would have been great. That would have been like young Benedict a, Wong, yeah. <laughs> <a> young, <laughs> it's like that would have been a big gasp, but an audible gasp for another Will Smith who. Was better than
0: junior, and also was, only and it, well, there's. It, but but only also he
1: doesn't. Two. He's not that good because he clearly <laughs> gets bi-
0: He gets bisted. He just didn't feel yeah. pain. <laughs> yeah. And also there's moments where he's getting shot in the chest with a grenade launcher, and you're like, no. Just because you don't feel pain doesn't mean that, that you, you won't, won't blow up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was hoping that that person, and I was hoping this would happen eventually with those like super armored soldiers, even though they set them up to be like regular people or like whatever beforehand. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that it was his whole platoon young. Like, like his whole, whole Will Benedict Wong, the guy on the boat, uh, like all whatever the platoon was, any character that was set up as like the oh, older generation, I be was killed. hoping that Clive Owen was like, fine, send in the fucking crew, <laughs> and then have the whole crew go at older Absolutely. Will Smith, Universal Soldier, of the yeah, whole thing, coming like rocking like this whole that thing. would have been dope. But it was another Will Smith.
1: I mean, I mean, uh, you can uh, like, I like I think that's a great idea, but I could also just see like someone saying, I don't know if we got the budget to clone Benedict Wong, you know, <laughs>
0: like I don't know if we got the budget to do like <laughs>
1: one was hard enough, yeah. One you know, Will Smith is hard enough. But, we really but if they're
0: doing like quick action scenes, they're not, we're not doing like high emotional fucking scenes of crying and shit. With, <laughs> I, also, I, I,
1: it's just, there, there's no real like depth to the exploration of any of the no, ideas. There's no depth way. at all. Okay,
0: here we go. But here's some depth. This comes from Red Charison. Oh, really? Visual uh, effects editor uh, for Martin Scorsese and Sakelia Pictures working on The Irishman, or just finishing up The Irishman, so another
1: de-aging specialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But he's not talking about that here. Oh. He says, hot take. If you saw the HFR 3D version, you didn't see the version the rest of the world will see. So as a critic, are you obligated to see it as the director envisioned, or as the culture at large will see it and talk about it? I will take my answers off air, but we're going to give them to you on air. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. We won't. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No. Uh, I I have a take on this. Yeah. No. No. Go. Go. You first.
1: You first. Uh, I think you're obligated to see how the director intended it because how it can be seen by anyone could be varied entirely. Someone could watch this movie on their iPhone. Someone could watch this on YouTube. Someone could watch this projected in a room like uh, through a window somewhere else. And, and it's unfair to kind of speculate on how the film could be perceived without knowing exactly how it could be seen. You know, like, yeah, this movie could be seen a million ways. I think it's an interesting conversation point around the, the 120 frames look. And, and the, the thing that I think is, is fascinating is we are all you know like slightly older and we have uh, an ingrained sense of what cinema should look like, what movies look like. But but there's a younger generation, but you know that didn't grow up. You know like that their primary mode of uh, ingesting media is uh, 240 hertz on a computer monitor. You know like they're they're ingesting video games, they're watching YouTube, and so maybe for them this this 120 frames is actually closer in line with how they consume media in general. And and it's it's an entirely you know a plausible um, rationale to see like an entirely different audience view this in a different way. Um, I think to to Red's point, we you should go out of your way to see how the director intended it to be seen because that's the only reference point as a reviewer
0: gonna... or as a general audience member.
1: Well, as a reviewer, you're going to...
0: As a general audience member, you're going to see it
1: however you see it, right? Sure, but but let's... As a a, a reviewer, if you're trying to recommend it to other people, or to have a point of conversation about it, like I think it's worth seeing it in the way that it was intended to be presented.
0: Um, I think... I I, I agree with you mostly, but I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit um, and say, while I do agree with that, there's also a level of knowledge and or respect is the wrong word but um i mean let's stick with knowledge knowledge of how your audience will be able to see your film and also from a reviewer standpoint there there could be said just like you said we're obligated to sort of see as the director intended but if we know for a fact like only 14 theaters in the country saw the movie the way that we saw it if we know for a fact that Literally everyone we're talking to right now will have probably seen a the twenty-four-frame three D version most likely of this film. Are we then obligated to talk about that more than the director's intent? Because it's still about it depends on, I guess, our goal. Like if we're if we're if we're talking about this in a vacuum about the content that a a, a person helmed, yeah. then I, I agree with Shahir. If we're talking about it in the sense of Letting people know the pros and cons of a thing that they can actually most likely see, I might go the other way. Well
2: well, and it's a shame then that the studio didn't make it more accessible than you know fourteen theaters that were showing this. I was reading like a box office report on it, and it underperformed. And I think that really, it, it, you know, the studio shot itself in the foot by not releasing, um, you know, more than fourteen theaters worth of these kinds of screenings, um, because that is such a huge draw to bring people in for this movie. I mean, myself included, I don't know if I was really interested in seeing it as is. Yeah. Um, Here's, here's one thing I would say about the, the reason I'm
1: completely unconvinced about HFR 3D in general uh, is that I, you know, I've seen three films in HFR uh, at this point in HFR 3D and in all three cases I would say seeing it in twenty four frames without three d would improve the experience, yeah. Like without a doubt, it would be better. And but then the only counterpoint to that is is that i'm am I thinking about this technology in a sort of um slightly narrow minded way? because uh, you know, think about this. Um, when color projection came in, not every screen would have the color version of a film. In fact, they would have duplicate prints of black and white and color. Yep. And there was only, you know, like, you can maybe think of, like, maybe The Wizard of Oz, where when they go into Oz, Oz is suddenly in color. And if the audience that got the black and white only print of that, you know, wherever that was screening... Had that experience, you really are missing out on a significant portion of how the visual quality of the film or the visual presentation of the film affects the way it's being seen. And I think, you know. uh, you know, like they did the same thing with sound as well. When sound film was initially introduced, not every theater had it, and some theaters would have to like play, you know, in different te- different technologies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not everyone would get the exact same experience. My 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 thing with one hundred and twenty frames, three uh, D at this point or HFR is that I don't think I've seen an example of it where. The HFR is really being key to understanding how the film operates on a on an emotional, thematic, even just just the delivery of what it's doing. Yeah, I mean. And I, I, actually think that of 3D most of the time as well. I agree. There's only one there's, film I can kind of think of off the top of my head where I was like, "Oh, 3D's kind of added." Which something. one? Which one? Avatar.
0: Oh, interesting. I see. I didn't think it it, uh, it affected like because because Avatar the entire film was 3D. The 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 3D gets
1: there's more depth. There's once more they There's more
0: depth to- once they're in it, but the entire film is 3D. Something that I really appreciate, and I have brought it up here multiple times is Tron Legacy. Right. Tron Legacy is 100% 2D until they go into Tron. Yeah. I mean, and then it's 3D and that means it is a thematic element. For me it's uh gravity or space
2: movies in general gravity I think is a good in, one, yeah. in 3D it, the scope it you feel it. Yeah. yeah.
1: But 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 in general like I, to be honest I'm not a I'm not a, a diehard die hard 3D
2: person no, same. Like, I actually loathe it yeah, entirely. If, actually I was having trouble with my glasses. I felt like I was getting the light from the projection from the projector room Um, Glaring against glaring like on the other side of my left side of the glasses. I don't know if I was like trying to cover it up. I did see that. Yeah, I was getting like a weird like yeah glare, and it felt a little glassy. Yeah, you shouldn't have to like wear glasses to like. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, an an extra piece of something to see yeah because film, like yeah. for me
1: i have glasses, glasses, so, glasses. I'm, so i'm, I'm doing yeah. glasses on glasses uh which glass is always, on
2: glass on glass glass on
1: glass on glass on glass yeah. uh which is always just like it feels awkward i mean generally i tend to forget about it um, i thought you were gonna after, say generally you feel awkward yeah i mean generally <laughs> i feel awkward all the time but um yeah i i haven't seen a compelling case and, and the thing is is like it's peter jackson angley and james cameron and then you know this other film aquarelle um, and I in in you know, James Cameron hasn't produced whatever he's gonna produce with us yet, but I haven't seen a compelling reason. I can I, I, when i wa- I've watched the first two Hobbits films in in high frame rate, And in both cases, I was like, I think this would be a bit of movie experience without it. yeah, you know, like and I think i th- I, I wa- the, in 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 Jim Man, however, I think there was something unique to the um to the way the fight sequences were choreographed, but only the fight sequences. Like, nothing else in the film kind of needed this HFR thing. You know, nothing I else... I don't think any
0: of the fight sequences needed this HFR thing. What? I, I, which one were you thinking of? Like, the the, the motorcycle chase well, Oh, sorry, the chase scene, yes. Yeah, the, the fight scenes.
1: The motorcycle fight scene is what I'm Well, calling. like,
0: the, the, I'm, I'm saying the chase scene ends when they sort of, like, get to the car and they're sort of fighting around the car. Like, that was neat, but HFR didn't... Particularly helped that, in my opinion. And when they got into like the catacombs and they started fighting in all of the dark places, uh, it was so close up and so just like shaky cam nine thousand. Exactly, yeah. I was like, all right.
1: I I didn't mind the uh, the final um, the final sequence inside the hardware store, which I was like, part of me yeah. was just like, ah, oh, hardware store is this is this where we're
2: going no, to we're going to end it? Yeah, right we're gonna here. Do it in a
1: hardware store final but, it, but like when you saw like uh, the thir- the new clone before you knew what it was, kind of do like this single take. Jump off a building and up into another in a single kind of camera move. It's like cutscene
0: intro. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I was like, oh yeah, it felt very middle. That's how solid. you
0: introduce an Overwatch uh, <laughs> villain in a cutscene. Yeah, it, it.
1: It. I was like, okay, and the, f- the actual fight between uh, older Will Smith and and parkour Will Smith was kind of like, okay, yeah. I c- it, it. I. I think there was some. Th- I was finally seeing a glimmer of something to this, but it's not the thing I really want, which is like. A compa- you know, I, I want the Tron sort of experience. I yeah. want the Wizard of Oz sort of experience where it's like this movie only exists if you see it in the full presentation.
2: This movie, you know, like the, the whole thing only comes together because of the presentation. I wouldn't mind seeing this technology because we saw that one scene where he's drowning, uh, just a movie that takes place entirely underwater. So yeah. that's well, that's
1: Aquarella, the, the documentary. Oh, then, oh it is. It's, it's a documentary about water.
2: Oh, so right. I mean, in from a narrative, like if there's a narrative, it's, it's, if they no, want to... No, I mean, like in the future, like if we wanted, I'd like to see...
0: Let's make the Meg yeah, in 120 we, frames.
2: Aquaman 2. Aquaman 2, yep. James one like if you're still attached, I just want you to know that. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm balls sh- in your court.
1: I'm sure someone has approached, uh, you know, like the thing is, is Little Mermaids coming up, and Titanic Two. This is not a technology that's being like pioneered from the ground up, like Mm -hmm. you know, like from individual operators or anything like that. You know, like um, uh, uh, streaming content was kind of pioneered by people on the internet trying to find ways to stream, you know, like to to make compression better. But 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 3D and high frame rate, these are all coming from studios with a lot of money who are trying to like push this technology and you know, like to give us. An incentive to go to the movie, so I'm sure James Wan has like you know probably had conversations about would this look good bit better in HFR sure. and uh, and he's probably uh, hopefully
0: I, knows enough yeah, as long as we don't think make yeah to to be fair I, I maybe I mean, he'll do a Fast and Furious one like this in <laughs> HFR as long <laughs> yeah. as it's not in 40x I'm I'm fine <laughs> Uh well I mean I guess sort of we've kind of covered final thoughts does anyone else need any last minute things on Gemini Man uh well you should go first.
2: Um. Yeah, just a bummer. I. I mean, I. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that final thoughts. thoughts. Just a bummer. Just just a lot of a lot of um uh really good like the bones, the structure, a lot of good introduction of themes and elements, um, and conversations that just ended up not uh happening. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It's unfortunate. She here?
1: Um. Yeah. No. I. 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 I didn't hate my time at the movies. I didn't like. Uh, I, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Um i I just didn't think it really went anywhere. And then, you know, like there there's so much potential, like you said, you know, like there's so much money being thrown around, you know, like it would be amazing if this if this film had the commitment of the big ideas, It had the commitment of the little ideas. yeah, and I feel, and the problem is, I think, the the idea that was really latched onto was the visual presentation, mm-hmm. but it wasn't backed by a narrative idea that made that make sense. Yeah. And I and in a way I think Billy Lynn's long halftime walk was a more interesting proposition because it's such a unwieldy piece of technology for a drama. You yeah. know, for like a, a really intimate like little chamber piece. So I I'm I'm I was seeing some interesting things with 120 frames per second. I was kinda like, mm, maybe there's something in this, but it's not in this.
0: If yeah. It makes any sense. Yeah. Uh I'm there too. <laughs> uh this is a okay movie, but surrounded with gimmicks. Uh some of them work, not really. Uh I don't know. I, I mean I wouldn't suggest I wouldn't suggest going to see it in even in 120 unless you're really really curious about the technology and to sort of see it for yourself because it is interesting and I like trying to figure out the the behind the... the scene, sort of functioning of it and whatnot. But also, it's $28, at least in the city. I don't know what it is uh, in some of the other theaters, but I imagine the, the price point is still pretty high.
1: And I think the only you, you only need to see one scene
2: to decide whether you like it or not.
0: And the sad part is you have to pay the money so you can see the scene. <laughs> the sad yeah.
2: part, it doesn't come in the first quarter of the movie or yeah. the first third of the movie. you yeah. got to yeah. wait for it to get there. But yeah.
0: Anyway, this has been the only podcast about the film Gemini Man. Will!
1: What are you, brother? Yes. Are you are you Gemini? Taurus? Yeah, well, we didn't. We Pisces, didn't yeah. I'm a,
2: tourist, oh, we're a Taurus.
0: You're Taurus bros. We're a Taurus oh, trio. T- oh, that? we're a Taurus trio. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Well, uh, where can folks find you, uh, uh, number one of three Taurus trio, Will Tempfer? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at
2: WTempfer, T-E-M-P-F-E-R. Um, and also make sure to check out next big dance move on the Wild and Owls YouTube page. That,
0: that is right.
1: You have a movie as well coming out, right? Or short? I have a short
2: film that's in um, limbo right now. It was we've we cut it too long and we're cutting it shorter, trying to shave ten minutes off of something that's twenty five minutes. So it's whoa, it's a little <laughs> a difficult. battle. Yes, but uh, hey, you that's know? a
1: fascinating conversation to have around
2: uh, short films with a. Uh, how long is too oh, long too in a long. short film? Because you're like, it's done. Best really. circuits are like, it can be up to like 40 like, minutes, but really they're not going to pick you if you're, because <laughs> they want to pair as many as possible together. But the thing for a is, screening.
1: the best short films, the ones that like win the Oscars, are like 25, 30 minutes and they're amazing. Yeah. And you're sort of like, well, hang on, that's, that's kind of what you want to see. But for but some reason, you, every
2: short like I said it's gonna be real good if it's gonna be 25 minutes. We were making a real big case for ourselves presenting a 25 minute short film to yeah. people. but um, yeah
0: also I have to double down. please check out Will's Instagram that he listed because it is high hilarious. I enjoy it very much. It is a it is a uh, a, a point in my internet day I look forward to. Um hear stories. yeah, it is yeah. your stories. It's all your stories. <laughs> Shahir. When you are not being parent-trapped by me, uh, putting you and Will Temper in the same place to prove that you are not, in fact, the same person, where can folks find you?
1: Well, I have to say, it actually worked, and I now believe that I need to go back to Will's place, and Will needs to come back to my place, and we're, we're going to do the
2: old switcheroo, like the Freaky Friday right now, right? We'll swap and see if anybody in our lives yeah, notice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I would love my son to wake up and like, look at you and be like... It's me. Uh, uh, What is going on here? Uh, You can find me deploying the old switcheroo at my website, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S H A H I R D A U D. Matt, when
0: you are not being stubborn as a bull, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me breaking up all the china in the shop at M A T T H E W K R O L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P R E Z on Instagram and PSN, or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. I believe when this episode airs, let me turn around and see the old thing oh we're going to be having an episode on level scaling coming out which will be really fun and also our anchor watt series uh, on our extra history channel is a gd delight um and with that we will talk to you all next week when we cover the film blah 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 we don't know what film it is it doesn't matter yet you're going to find out then Uh, It would have been a real play on words if there was a film coming out called blah 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 i mean we could look it up blah 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 Blah, i'll write it yeah, right? we'll get on this and we can do it up. Anyway, right. thanks everyone for listening. And uh, write us in OnlyMoviepodcast at gmail.com or Twitter OnlyMoviePod. Thank you everyone who wrote in your last minute tweets to us. That was very fun. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, hey bye. Bye-bye.